0: Alright, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. WTF? Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. Welcome. Welcome. Sit over there. Just hang out for a minute, will ya? Today's Thursday, if you're listening to this when it comes out. And tonight, October 10th, I'll be at the Miriam Theater in Philadelphia. Tonight. Tomorrow, Friday, october eleventh, I'm at the Kennedy Center in Washington, DC, and Saturday, october twelfth, I'm at the Schubert Theater in Boston for two shows. So there, there's a few tickets for all of those. I you know, the second show in Boston, you should come to that even if you don't live there. Uh, On Friday, October 18th, I'll be at the James K. Polk Theater in Nashville, Saturday, October 19th at the Tabernacle in Atlanta, and Saturday, October 26th at the Masonic in San Francisco. Go to wtfpod.com slash tour for tickets. On the show today, I'm going to talk to Jackie Tone. Jackie Tone is uh, Melrose on GLOW. She works with me on that show. Uh, she's on, you know, she, you can watch her in all three seasons of glow. She's also a stand-up comedian. I did go to the premiere of El Camino, which is the breaking bad movie, just by coincidence. I've been watching all of the breaking bads and I just finished them last week and I got invited, I guess, cause I'm on a Netflix show, uh, to the premiere and I, and I rarely go to those things, but I'm like, I want to see that movie. So I got, uh, I said, yeah, I'll go. And they sent a car, which is exciting. I was never one of those people that would take the cars that they sent. I'm like, I'll just drive. I mean, I have a car. I live in L.A. What do I need a car service for? Because it's fucking great. How's that for a reason? They just pick me up and then they'll take me home and I'll have to find parking in Westwood and wonder, you know, how do I get into the, where, where are my tickets? Where am I? Can someone help me? Amidst the chaos. Drove right up. But then you got to, like, you know, you have a choice. Do I want to take pictures? Do I want them to take pictures of me on the red carpet? Because part of me is sort of like, it's not my movie. I'm not, you know, I'm not in it. Why would they want pictures of me? But then you see pictures of, like, hey, look, Mark Maron came to the movie. Why not have a couple of those pictures out there? Why is Mark Maron in here? He he went to that thing, to the cool thing with the cool people. I dressed down a little bit, though, because I knew in my heart, like, this is not my night. So just wear a denim shirt. Why am I telling you this? It's so stupid, isn't it? Jeez, man. It was fun, though. So I go, I walk the carpet, and I got an email from some woman. You know, we said I yelled hi from from the stands, from the grandstands where the people are, where they let the fans some fans sit, and you just said hi in a very unenthusiastic way. And you should really appreciate your fans more. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? What are you? I I was taking selfies with people. I was waving. I was saying hi to people. Like, you must have the one moment where probably what happened, you want to know what probably happened? Is I'm wandering around the red carpet area. And oddly, there's a lot of people that weren't in the movie wandering around the red carpet area. And I saw Jonathan Banks. Is, Is it Banks or Bank? I think it's Banks. Who plays Mike. I'm Breaking Bad, and I just found out from a friend of mine who I grew up with in Albuquerque, New Mexico, that Mike is living in the building he lives in, and they'd become friends. So I thought I'd say hi to Mike, and you know maybe he knows who I am. And I said hi to Mike, and I said, my friend Dave says you guys are pals in Albuquerque because that's where they shoot, and he's got a place there. He goes, yeah, Dave's a good guy. And it was about three minutes into my conversation with Mike where I realized that he's not Mike. He's Jonathan. But where I realized like he's got no who uh, no idea who I am, I'm just some guy on a red carpet i'm not I've got nothing to do with anything, and uh so there was that great moment, but then Ed Begley hugged me, so made up for it, balanced it out, but anyways, my point is, maybe you caught me at that moment where I was sort of like, "What am I doing here? why should I even be here? Uh hi, maybe that was that not not like some weird dismissive attitude I have. Perhaps I was having one of my own insecure, reflective moments. But I did get to see, uh, yeah, I saw Ed Begley. I'll say it twice. He was very nice. And then I got into the theater. And I said hi to a lot of fans, did a lot of selfie taking, was enjoying myself in my denim shirt, my new denim shirt that got sent to me from the Ship John guy. Cranston, Brian Cranston came up. Gave me a little hugs, congratulated me, said I was doing good, and I said, you're doing good too, and we had a moment. I felt like one of the people at the thing, but there's still part of me like, I don't know what I'm doing there, and I'm very excited to see celebrities. I saw Aaron Paul, and I was almost going to go wander up and just say hi to Aaron Paul. It's his night. He's the star of the movie, but I didn't want to risk a, another situation where, like, who's this guy on the carpet, you know? Maybe I'm projecting that. I don't know. My point is, is that I'm still excited by celebrity and truly the most exciting moment for me, just because I watched all Breaking Bad recently. Uh, what's his name? Giancarlo Esposito. Is that his name? Yeah, he was there. I was excited to see him. I didn't go talk to him. He, he scares me a little. But I saw, like I heard a voice I was familiar and I turn around and it's Hank, Hank from Breaking Bad. I don't even know his name. I don't even know the actor's name. And I'm like, oh, fuck, there's Hank. I was so excited to see Hank. And he's talking just like Hank. I couldn't believe Hank was there. I didn't even know the guy's name. But I'm like, oh, shit, that's Hank. And uh I was happy I still have those feelings. I didn't go to the party afterwards because I, you know, I, I what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to do? I saw Cranston. I saw Ed Begley. Yeah, I saw Jonathan, I was going to go to the party, maybe he'd be there, I could explain to him who I am, not just some weirdo from New Mexico, wandering around the carpet, but what am I going to do, go feel awkward at a party? Come on, I got hugged by Ed Begley, what more can you ask for from a red carpet experience? And I saw Mike Chickless briefly leaving, come on, oh, I saw Walter Hill there, I had a nice chat with Walter Hill who's been on this show, the director. That was great. That was great. But Hank was there. I should find out what that guy's name is. Shouldn't I? Should I have done it before I did this? I'm a big fan of the guy that plays Hank. Hey, Jackie Tone is on the show today. And I saw the guy who plays Hank. And he talked just like Hank in real life. He sounded just like Hank did. But I guess I should bring up the movie. The movie, I, I was very happy to see, uh, those people again. It was, it was sort of a, I would, I would say it's almost a comedy, but it's very, it's engaging. And, uh, Aaron Paul's great. These are great characters. And he's in it. I saw, oh, I saw Jesse Plemons, the guy who played, uh, the psychopath. He was there. I love him, man. He was in Black Mask. He's been a lot. He's great. He's great. And he's with, uh, Kirsten Dunst. Are they married? I guess they're married. We had a nice chat. He's in the movie. Jonathan Banks is in the movie. Uh, Cranston's in the movie in flashbacks. But the movie really picks up right where Breaking Bad ends. Oh, the guy who plays Skinny Pete. I met that guy. He's not like that in real life. I am still amazed. Skinny Pete doesn't act like Skinny Pete in real life. Badger's Matt Jones. Badger doesn't act like that either, but he acts closer to Badger than Skinny Pete acts to Skinny Pete. I am such a fan of this show, apparently. So, anyways, what was I talking about? The movie starts with Breaking Bad Ends, and it's basically Aaron Paul. It's Jesse's story. And it's, uh, it's great. It's great to revisit those characters. Vince Gilligan was there. I didn't say hi to him. He's been on the show. That was an important show that Brian Cranston won because I, for the fucking life of me could not separate him from Walter White I was so deep into the show and I'm looking at Cranston and I'm like dude I don't know who you think you are but I need to talk to Walter White so can we make that happen I don't know what this story is about Malcolm in the middle but it seems out of character for you Walter I'm 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 learning, I, but I still have a sort of I still have a thing, right? Oh, I should have said hi to Hank. Hank should have said hi to Hank. All right, look, let's read this email real quick, because I think I owe people an apology, and I it's weird because I thought about this when I said it. Subject line: Kid Haver, a kid Haver. Mark, I love you and the show, but please, for God's sakes, can you stop with the whole world is going to hell, and I'm so happy I don't have kids' routine. I'm one of those kid haver type people who is fully simpatico with your very honest and realistic worldview, and thus I too have a serious sense of dread about climate change and the fate of the human race. My eight-year-old daughter is currently in our dining room, earning some extra credit by watching a few climate change news clips, and it's breaking my fucking heart. She is still so innocent and has no idea how tough her life will be one day because of all this. We all do our various daily tap dance routines so that we can put one foot in front of the other and not let the weight of it all prevent us from going to work and living our lives. But hearing the no kid slash end of the world thing just takes the wind right out of me. By all means, Be happy you don't have kids. They can be a pain in the ass, and it's often a ton of menial and boring work. I mean, there isn't a parent alive who doesn't occasionally fantasize about being child-free. All I'm saying is that you often mention how you're worried about the children you didn't have, much less the children you could have had. I would request that you channel that feeling when you're about to go down this road. I think it will give you a sense of what the parents in your audience are thinking and feeling. Thanks for all you do love all the guitar dork talk. Please keep it up, Matt. All right, Matt, you're right. I realize that. And I'm not even going to be flip about it. I know it's hard. I know it's heartbreaking. I know it's, it's, you know, times are dire and scary and noted, noted, um, like, and I feel the impulse to you know, kind of slip one in, like sort of like, but, you know, I don't have kids. Yeah. I'm not going to do it though, even though I just did it by couching it in the, like I could have done it and then I did it, but not in the same tone. You know how that works. Seriously though, Matt, point well taken. And I actually did, I did realize that after it's like, you know, what am I doing that for? Why am I saying that stuff? There's people that are trying to deal. And I'm just sort of like, just me it all ends with me and i'll be out from under it before it goes bad okay fine but i don't have to you know make it worse for people i understand look jackie tone is here i enjoy her uh, we have a a a we have a connection that goes back centuries to eastern europe jew jews jew yes this is Jew talk there will be Jew talk so if that's enough for you to go like alright I'm out then go fuck yourself Jew talk coming down the pike me and Jackie Tone part of being Jewish is saying you're a Jew and talking about Jew stuff you can watch her in all three seasons of Glow that's on Netflix you can seek out her stand up and uh, you can listen to us talk right now about her and uh choose
1: what do you roll with these mr those Barrett? were left
0: oh. there okay. i've had people smoke weed, oh,
1: weed. in weed, the uh
0: say. in the uh in the podcast there's some people that uh I, someone must have brought that at some point sure like I don't, I don't stop people from doing things. I've had people come with coolers of beer because I can't get through a fucking hour.
1: One hour in yeah. the morning. Yeah, uh-huh.
0: that and then and then have yeah, a couple people smoke weed. Who is really just Kevin Smith? Really, really, sure. I think because he has to. I think. Can I have a Kleenex, please? Do you think he
1: actually has to? I could have handed you the box, but right. since we're friends, I handed you individual.
0: Yeah. Uh, do do I think he actually has to? Yeah. Actually? No. But yeah. I mean, does he think he has to? Probably. Sure, sure, sure Is sure. it a deep ingrained habit? I don't know. You know, I haven't seen that guy in a long time. I have no idea how he's doing. Right. How are you doing? Are you I'm all right? Well, are you? I
1: mean, it, you know, it comes and goes. I saw on Instagram yesterday uh-huh. a girl I didn't know posted a video of the last thing her mom said before she died, and I took a nosedive. The rest of the day was over.
0: Why do people do that? Why do people? Well... You mean the actual but, footage of her dying?
1: Right before her mother was going, I love you, and I'm going to miss you. And I'm even getting choked up now, and I was like... <clears throat> and I just like went off it, and then my whole day... I was just like, "Oh my God, the last moments, this girl, it was disaster. But I was having a great day. <laughs> but, <laughs> yesterday. But, like,
0: but, but it was footage. It's footage. That's rough. I don't know why people I don't why did
1: she do that?
0: I mean is that is that is is that a positive thing that, that we can do that stuff? I, think I don't know. What
1: it was is she was like, Listen, I'm grieving and yeah. I want to share my grief and people were probably reaching out to her and going, like, hey, we're here for you, we love you, this you know, whatever, the improv yeah. community or whatever. I don't oh, know. Oh, you this know girl. the person. No. Oh, you didn't know her. I, I was random that I ended up on her talk about addictions and all that, but like Instagram. Instagram is, is are that, you really
0: in? A, I'm trying to figure out how to do stories correctly. Like, I'm, I'm still a novice. Like, I've kind of, I can di- teach
1: you in five minutes. Yeah.
0: I, I think I've got it. I uh-huh. think I've departed Twitter for the most part. I, yeah.
1: I, I, I never I, really fucked with Twitter. I was always more of like an Instagram person, but I'm, I'm not on it that much. Yeah. Because I try not to be. Yeah. But then I also, you know, there's this weird thing. I was just working with, um, uh, Amy Heckerling. Yeah, how do I know she's her? I she's she a director? Clueless. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was just saying that she was pitching all these actors for this new show she's doing. Yeah. And all the executives were just asking about their numbers and all like these people, the f- followers. Instagram followers. numbers. Followers. And Real, i talked yeah. to talk to Betty about it because- She's off she, it. But she took the other route, which is like, hey, I'm, I'm going to have none Yeah, because I don't want to deal with any of it. And, and look at her cool Emmy-nominated
0: uh, actress. With no followers. With no
1: followers. But it's this weird thing of like, every time I go like, I just want to leave it. I don't think that like my happiness lies in, like I'll be on Instagram for 20 minutes, then I'll just sort of look up and realize I'm on it. I don't yeah. remember opening the phone. I don't remember opening the sure. app. I don't remember going yeah. in. Yeah. And now 30 minutes of my life has passed. Yep. And I've learned that a stranger's mom has passed away, and a lot of people took pictures of their food.
0: Yeah, a lot of people took pictures of their food, and uh, yeah, I I feel I feel the same way. But I I find that I've You're been at a different
1: level though. Like I think if you didn't I? have an Instagram, no one would give a. Fuck, cause you're Marin and we love you. With I guess. me, I'm like building, and apparently, one of these very pertinent building blocks is an enormous Instagram following.
0: I I don't I guess so. I don't know if I'm like at some level where I don't need it. It seems that people enjoy it. I just have to figure out what exactly I'm doing on it because I don't I don't think it in terms I don't think about it in terms of branding, right? Or but but I do like it is an audience.
1: And I like, to, when I like to do it, when I'm doing my stories and walking my dog and writing fake songs and yeah. doing this bullshit, I'm enjoying that. Mm-hmm. And I think. W- yeah, you know when you're enjoying yourself, people are going to enjoy it and all that. But yeah. the the like pressure to have to is when yeah. I start to like reject it because I'm like I run this fucking ship. Yeah, but, I don't want to have to. Also, you
0: don't want to be annoying because like you're already a little. You're
1: yeah, a you're a bit. You're, little not little yeah. you're not kidding.
0: Yeah, and like it's too much of you.
1: Yeah, be- but it's it's funny because coming from someone like you who's never annoying and always sort of kind and calm, it's weird that you would pick- <laughs> take a I, shot I was, at you. Well, yeah. I was also wondering Come too. On. If we would talk about you, the times we've gotten in fights <laughs> today, well,
0: sure. I mean, do, <laughs> well, I just
1: thought it was, but the they first... were just
0: like it was just bitchy Jew fights, yeah, I, bitchy uh, Jew fights. But it wasn't like they're not real fights. It was well, when I first met you, I, I think I was like, oh, all right, this is what this is, and I know what this is. Uh-huh. I know this particular Long Island strain of Semitic uh, uh, neediness. <laughs>
1: And then, uh, and then you looked, and then you looked in my eyes and saw a fucking mirror. Uh
0: huh. Uh-huh. Did I? Well, a different kind of thing. A familiarity. The
1: familiar, because I feel like emotionally, you- we're
0: probably somewhere, but you're definitely a different strand of 100%, 100%. Jew. A hundred percent.
1: A hundred percent. But yeah. I think when you, I'm,
0: I'm familiar with it, and I have it in my family.
1: When things mm-hmm. I do annoy you, I think it's because. They're because they're things you either do or, or want to do. Or did. Like when I got out of that elevator at Light and you shouted at me in front of all those people. I, I feel like you did that because you were mad you couldn't get out of the elevator. I meant to talk to you about this. Am I right?
0: I'm trying to think which part. This obviously resonated more with you than me because it's not at the tip of my brain. Well, yeah. yeah, you, yeah. You've got a lot
1: going on. No, no.
0: What What happened at Arclight? This doesn't
1: come through my daily life, but when I'm sitting across from you and having this conversation, Uh I'm like, oh, this is a thing. We were in an elevator, and I love this. I love you so much. Arclight
0: in Hollywood? Yeah,
1: we were doing a a glow Right, sure. And the (laughs) elevator said, Max, and I already... Listen... You have my number. You know I'm jewy and neurotic and I'm not going to deny any of that. Uh-huh. I don't love an elevator. No. I would have been happy to take the stairs of the fucking arc light, uh-huh. but here we are mm-hmm. in this elevator and we're supposed to go up and it goes down and it says six people max. Right. Have 14 of us in there. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't need to be. Yeah. I'm getting a little hot. I don't need right. to be in here. Yeah. And it's supposed to go up. It goes down and then it does like a, like yeah. oh, a yeah. down up. Yeah. Yeah. So when the doors open, I just go, I'm going to, I'm going to get out. And I'm going to walk. And you go, you Jewish enough <laughs> Just shout it out at me <laughs> of everyone. But I was feeling sensitive because I was scared. Okay. And then, yeah. And then downstairs you said, Oh, you're being real sensitive today. Oh
0: uh, yeah, and so I, I felt bad. Said, Couldn't take I it.
1: I said, Well, yeah, I just was I was scared, but uh-huh. I I didn't I didn't love that.
0: Uh huh. <laughs> I it's all very familiar to me and uh and I you know I walk I into it. But there's but also I I guess it is a uh, somewhat of a Projection. I know what's going on. I know when the jokes are coming. I know when you're there's one scene in glow where I was actually mad at you, where I was where I'm talking to the whole group of you and you said something and I said something back and it was real. (laughs) I was like, shut the fuck up. I'm enough with it. Yeah, you know, it's just like any. D- it's it's the thing where it's sort of. I think it, I do have uh, an impu- an impulse to to do what you do, but I somehow stopped it a long time sure. ago. It's like, oh, look, there's a little bit of open air with nothing being said. I'll I'll take sure. that opportunity. I have an idea. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, it's because it's because I'm so codependent. Is it? It's partly. Are you? Yeah. Come on.
0: I, I, you're the codependent one?
1: Well, I'm learning about it, but I think it's because I'm finding out now I had a, a boundaryless childhood. Well, that's so, what I
0: identify with. Yeah. I mean, that's what I feel. And like, I guess I fight. Yeah. I guess I'm, maybe I'm a little more ahead of you in, in sort of knowing age? things about myself. Yeah. Age, sure. <laughs> just
1: shouting age. Um,
0: yeah. I had the boundaryless thing. I mean, that must be it. That's part of it, but you seem to like uh, adulation and attention, sure. and uh, I pretend like I don't right because uh, I need to fight for it i need to I need people to feel a little uncomfortable before they give me the attention
1: <laughs> we do oh
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> we but do. but but I know you're familiar to me but only because I have family in um where, where they grow up. I have Long Island people. You know, I come from, you know, my family's from Jersey, but there's the Long Island factor, uh, faction. And then, you know, I grew up, like I went on a Barentine tour. Mm-hmm. So, like, Did you go I- to the Improv? I think we did, yes. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, All those yeah. years not later. Not that I remember. Yep. We did go to the improv. Because I've,
1: I've been doing shows at the improv countless times, and I'm like, this is not appropriate for the 16-year-olds who are here. So,
0: oh, Did you go on a teen tour? No,
1: but I've performed at the improv. That's All right. my Jewish friends went on teen tours when I was a kid, but I moved here. I moved from New York to L.A. when I was... Just graduated from high school.
0: Well, let's go back then. So, you grew up where? Which part of the island? I grew up
1: in Oceanside, Long Island.
0: Now, what part is that?
1: It's Nassau County, so it's the South Shore. Right. It's like by Freeport, Baldwin. It's not Five
0: Towny, though. It's not. Five
1: Towny is fancier and, believe it or not, jewier.
0: What kind of town was that? Was it working class? It wasn't Jewish. Was it Catholic Irish?
1: Yes, exactly. Right. It was all of that. So there was like a Jewish factor, and there was also like a big Puerto Rican and Dominican factor. Oh yeah. And then yeah, and then there were a lot of Italian kids and a lot of Irish kids.
0: Right. And and you're the how many kids in your family?
1: Three, two big brothers, and then me. What did they end up doing? Unsurprisingly, I'm the baby. Right. Are like, they still in New York? Yeah. Being New ones in Jersey be so. New York, Like Bruce
0: Springsteen fans?
1: No, like fi- like dead fans, fish fans. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's maybe there's still mushrooms in their oh, lives yeah. and they're like oh, in their 40s. Right. Like, yeah. like maybe my brother- Cargo shorts, the sandals. D- 100%. And maybe the day <laughs> after my brother's son yeah. was born, he like went and did mushrooms at Madison Square Garden. Well, because it was Christmas Eve and like that's the big fish show.
0: Yeah. Not anymore. No. <laughs> that's no. over, isn't it? I think so. So those are so okay. So, so you're all kind of creative hippie kids.
1: Well, w- weirdly enough, my brother, like my my big brother, has like an eBay business. My middle brother's a personal trainer, and I'm um, me. So my dad's a, a musician and a singer songwriter, or was. But he was a. Both of my parents are phys ed teachers. Mm-hmm.
0: Really, is, in high schools,
1: they were. They are both retired.
0: But your dad's dream was a musician thing.
1: Mm-hmm. My dad's dream was to be a musician, his singer songwriter. Playing piano and guitar and bass. Do you play any
0: of his songs?
1: No, I I don't as much. Well, I don't really play like as much straightforward music anymore. It's more like my stand up and musical comedy yeah. and that kind of thing, or writing songs for so lots of right turns. But I'm but, writing songs for a cartoon I'm doing for Amazon.
0: Oh, good. But all right, so you were. So this is like a pretty working class family. You oh, didn't yeah. grow up like in, you know, five towny Jappy. No. You're see that you're not a you're not like a Jap.
1: No, 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 no. You're
0: no. just a, a kind of a meat and uh, potatoes Jew. But
1: the rare, the rare meat <laughs> and potatoes. No, Jew, there's yeah. a lot
0: of them. man. <laughs> there's, there's... Like I
1: never described a Jew as meat and potatoes. Well, I mean, They're I so I, Irish. I,
0: would, I know. I, I mean, I could think of like we could change the food.
1: Sure. <laughs> Yeah, but, more of like a sort of brisket and knish. Kind sure. Of yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. But uh, but but that was because that's it's definitely a different thing yeah. than the other ones. Right. Oh, so yeah. you knew when you were growing up that the class difference between sure. Jews, you could feel I it, knew right? that
1: I was not the Jews that like went to sleepaway camp. But we <laughs> went, but my parents worked there. The only way we could afford to go is my dad was like the head of the kitchen and my mom was true? like the camp mom. Yep.
0: For how long? For a month? For,
1: a whole, for two months, for the whole summer, and we went our entire lives. <laughs> our entire lives, we were like sleepaway camp kids. It was. They, it was, they had
0: the gig every year. They had the gig so you, every year. So you're like the regulars.
1: We were staff but, kids. We're called staff kids.
0: But so, but when when sometimes when the jappy kids would come back, they'd be like, "Well, they're not really
1: right." And and I knew right. that I wasn't with the kids who could afford to go there for eight to ten thousand dollars a summer. Right. Like, but they and they knew us. you too. Sure.
0: So were you the cool one? Were you were you well, letting them smoke was and cool, stuff? And-
1: I was cool in that like I was always a weird kid and an actor and a theater kid. You don't say But
0: you're playing so, guitar too at that time, right? Um
1: I didn't play guitar till I was eighteen. Yeah. So I, I was after camp, which was crazy. Right. But I I was like I dressed in thrift like it was part need, part right. I was that weird kid. Right. So yeah, sure. It wasn't like I didn't want your fancy things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I did. Right, but I low key acted like I didn't, and then was like a thrift shopper, weird kid.
0: So all three, of you went to the camps mm-hmm. every the summer. Camps,
1: easy with the term. The camps. Sorry, the the camp. <laughs> Where was it? Upstate New York, Camp Laconda.
0: Yeah, it was a totally Jew camp. Jew camp and for
1: services on Friday night. Really? Adon alum. Not
0: everyone does that version. It's weird. There are different versions of Adon alum. Oh. You know, there's a swell, a slow one that I grew up with. Do I need it? What is it? Adon And I think maybe that picks up at the end and they switch it sometimes. Adon alum.
1: Adon alum. A sherma alum. Wow. I forgot I knew that one.
0: Yeah, this is a full-on uh middle-class conservative Jewness uh-huh. going on.
1: <laughs> I love it. I haven't done <laughs> It's funny though cuz as I mean I play so Jewish on on Glow and I'm obviously <laughs> very Jewy as a person and I quite like that yeah. about myself but i don't know any i know very little about judaism
0: and that's the and same I wish of all of us more. we know that song
1: that's right but, but like, i don't
0: even know what it's saying I don't, and know.
1: I don't know what it's saying and i don't know when the holidays are or what they kind of know they're, they're kind
0: of around i was born on kol nidra so like i know that Rosh shona and you know kippur are going to be around my birthday right. like it's soon I, I didn't stop really drifting i didn't start drifting from that till i was older like i would find a place to go when i was in my 20s and stuff Nobody i think did. so
1: too you know, but now anymore. I don't.
0: Yeah, it's sort of sad.
1: I think actually. so too, especially now that
0: we just um, don't want to go home. You know, it's like it starts like that, where you are like, is it? Do we need to go home for the Jewish holidays? That seems crazy, right? Right? Like Thanksgiving, maybe you'll go home for, but the right. Jewish holidays, you know. So and then, then
1: over Christmas, like no one even goes so home the, for Hanukkah. It's just like, of over, course yeah. not.
0: But like, but like, you can find you can find other Jews here. No one ever invites me to seder's.
1: Really? No, I might. You won't come. You do a Seder? I and don't you're do telling me I, that you're, what? No, I'm saying like I know people that do and right. if I, I actually love it when someone goes like, hey, come for this. Come for Shabbat or come mm. for Seder. Like I don't yeah. really do them, but it's always super nice. I think that
0: people are nervous to invite me, and I think that that's probably warranted, but I'm pretty good. Like I get nervous too. Like if someone invites me, I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm just going to go over there. But then I go, and it's fine. It's nice. I I know how to be a guest. I don't freak out.
1: One hundred percent, not. I I don't
0: know. I talk about this a lot on the show about not being invited places, but you got to invite people to be invited. I think is the the thing. I also
1: think yes, I I do, but I also think that there's like a vibe about a person, and you give off a vibe like you don't not that that you don't want to be invited. Yeah. Like you give off a vibe like, well, I don't want. I don't need to do this. I don't want to do this.
0: Yeah. But you do
1: want to, and but I think, I, I. I personally, and maybe I'm reading you wrong, but mm. I see past that and I don't think that of you. No. I don't think like, oh, he doesn't want to come places.
0: Yeah. See, I think that's our problem is maybe you see past it and then I have to go harder
1: to mm. to keep
0: you out of me.
1: <laughs> mm, true <laughs> oh that's <laughs> so real. It took me a second for it to like really get into the folds.
0: you can't Ugh. I can't get her out of me uh-uh. she's, gonna, uh. she's in clothes so all right, so you're going to camp every summer with your parents. With your parents.
1: And then I had to like be really sort of behave at camp because my parents were there. So like all the girls were like sneaking to other bunks and making out and I couldn't do any of that because my parents were there. But cut to my parents didn't give a shit. You didn't
0: make out with, you didn't make out at camp.
1: I was so prude until I was like, 18 years old I was I was so neurotic I mean not that I'm not anymore but I was so neurotic as a kid yeah I think it's coming out
0: of camp you have to but
1: I think it comes from the boundaryless nature of my childhood like well what was that
0: though what do you I mean your parents were teachers you just mean like what form of boundarylessness
1: I'll tell you like I didn't have a curfew because right. okay, everybody that, right. else had a curfew. So my mom was the cool mom that was like, what are you going to do? Stay out by yourself? Right. Your friends have a curfew. You're going to come back at some point.
0: Did she talk like that?
1: 100% still does. And Here, so- listen
0: this one. I got this one. Do you want us to say no? <laughs> that was crazy.
1: That's identical. No. Like it, That's not a quote, but that's the subtext of what right. she's saying. What do you want me to do? I'll... When right, I say no, right, I'll right, say no.
0: Right, exactly. So yeah, then exactly.
1: I become the adult.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's terrible.
1: And then I would have to choose. Also, if my brothers had sporting event stuff, yeah. she would go, what are you going to come to the? You don't need to come to that. Yeah. And then we never had family dinners. We mm. never had to sit around a table and look at each other and check in and oh, really? be together. Uh. We never had to. And then when I had my performances, my brothers never came. There was never like a family unit vibe because my mom was like... The boys don't want to come to your singing. You yeah, don't want to yeah. come to their sports, except you got to go support your brothers and you got to support your sister. Like, I love the idea of, I don't know, not making your kids, but yeah. everybody has family dinner. And so it just felt like a lot of floating. And in, in my mom's brain, she was being this cool mom. And in my brain, it was like,
0: grasping
1: yeah. for like yeah you want the definition
0: yeah yeah no i get yeah i was i understand that one yeah but i think my parents too were uh needy people and self involved people right so what I've determined is that they were not that capable of a uh, sort of selfless kind of unconditional love stuff. They, mm. you know, I was just, the, I was just sort of an extension of their worry. Mm. The, you know what I mean? Sure. Like it wasn't, I, I don't, and my dad was never around. So like we had family, we didn't really have family stuff cause it, he was sort of not, you know, he was working mm. and my brother was at tennis school and tennis camp. We both took different paths. So I, I never really thought about the unity thing.
1: There was no, but what's funny that you say that about your dad is my dad asked me in my twenties or something. He was like, you know, sorry I wasn't around.
0: Where was he? He's a When gym you teacher. were a
1: kid, I'll tell you. And I, uh, that wasn't my experience of my, my memory of my dad because yeah. we played music together. So he'd sit at the piano and we'd sing and do right. harmony. Yeah. And Anytime anyone came over, me and my dad had our little duo performance and my right. mom and I always had like kind of a stiller and mirror shtick, and we would do it was always like right jackie go and yeah i I didn't notice that i was sort of being put on display because i liked it and i I think wanted it yeah but my dad also had these trade shows he's a postal historian so he is a philatelist wait a minute so this guy's a singer
0: songwriter the gym teacher the camp (laughs) operator and now he's a philatelist that's right which is a postal historian
1: yes so he buys. He used to. He just fit, sold Stamp his business. Stamp collector. Stamp collector. Buy, but buys and sells and trades, and so there he wasn't sold the time. Business? Mm-hmm. How, how
0: much he sell the business for?
1: Um, he did okay. <laughs> Come on. I think it was worth like three seventy five. Come on. And he sold. There's no,
0: still people that do that. Well, he
1: didn't get that because each piece individually would have been worth that, but he sold it for. I don't want to talk. Oh, both. Right
0: no, I no, I'm just he curious sold about it for that. The interest over is still there. dollars. Sure. Okay, because they're they're actual things.
1: Yes. The the
0: big books of of little stamps with the little weird little, the little sticky thing that you stick it in the book with, and the little wax envelopes.
1: But there were envelopes which are called covers, which Mm. depends on Mrs. Truly.
0: Full sheets of stamps.
1: But it's not only stamps. Mm. It's any postal history. So people collect things that randomly went through a post office. Did he that... have one of
0: those upside down plane stamps? He
1: did not. We would have been very rich <laughs> if he did. That was the that was the one stamp <laughs> we all knew about. The
0: grail. <laughs> the one. I don't even know if it exists. And the
1: grail. It's fake. Yeah. Some guy made it up about yeah. 18 years ago. So he was doing these. He did 35 weekends a year and he worked all day every day during the week. Yes. He was literally never around. And I don't remember that. I remember like playing and singing. Well, a good and...
0: hour. Of connection—that's true. You know, will transcend. Uh, you know, a few weeks, weeks of absence. Of absence, sure, yeah. for sure. I mean, it's really about the connection. I think ultimately, I think that's the one thing that saves any of it. Yeah. That you know, I do feel connected to my parents. Mm-hmm. I don't. I I, can't, I don't think I'd rely on them for anything, but I do. You know, I know them.
1: I would have relied on them. Yeah. Like in now, I still do, but they got so much of their own shit. Are they I'm together? Having, yeah. Huh. And I'm having to constantly be like. Did you go to that doctor? Or please, please don't eat that. And a friend of mine actually told me, um, that I need to stop with fighting with my parents about what they eat. What are they because eating? In the fucking garbage, rat poison. Really? They are. It's the. It's. It's unbelievable. Like, what'd you grow up with? Well, my dad has had like a heart attack and a stroke and all. Has diabetes and he's like, yeah. I, uh, I uh, what's it called? I cheated tonight. I had a little bit uh, French. I had a sugar covered French toast with a side of bacon. I'm like, what? Wow, what,
0: what,
1: what are you doing?
0: Wow, sugar covered. But then he
1: sometimes tell. But I'm like, why are you telling me too? Like what, you at know, a I'm gonna yeah, of course, always at a diner yeah. or at Flakowitz. <laughs> what's Flakowitz? That's the Jewish deli they eat at in Florida.
0: Oh, they're in Florida.
1: Mm-hmm. They
0: Flakowitz. Where the hell's where does it? where in Florida.
1: Uh, probably uh, what Lake Worth or Boynton Beach or oh. Jewish Town, USA.
0: But it's just weird, like, you know, you always think, like, who would end up in Florida? But then, like, something happens to you as a Jew... When you start visiting there, you get older and you're like, not bad. It's kind of nice. Well, there's a weight to it that it's actually relaxing. And I don't even know how that's possible, given how <laughs> densely populated it is and how fucking weird it is. But there's something about it where you're like, it just slows you down.
1: It's I couldn't agree more. And my parents are like staunch New Yorkers. They said they were never going to be those old Jews that went down to Florida. Yeah, but they're us. all that. Yeah, like, not us. Forget it. We're never going. Right. And they're down there. They have more of a social life. They're full, up, more full up, to of do. staunch New Yorkers. Um, uh-huh. Who
0: said they were never going to go to Florida? 100%. They're surrounded by them because uh-huh. they're all all their ne- everyone that's like them went there.
1: Like minded Jews, they love it.
0: Oh okay. yeah, they just sit in circles and complain <laughs> about what they did and what they didn't do and what that's they right. should do and how much it cost at that place. That's right. Ugh.
1: The doctors, they the doctors, and the and the two restaurants that everyone the goes doctors. to. Flank- do you go
0: to that place? Is it still good?
1: Flakewoods Flank- I yeah. do. Yep, delicious. Flank- bagel Flank- Flank- chips are delightful there.
0: Wolfies used to be down where my mother's is gone. Mm. I Like, why did I grow up like – I grew up – here's the thing. I grew up like envying people of your ilk. Like, to me, the Jewish sensibility was always comes from people like your – like the Long Island people, Brooklyn people, real New York people. I was from Jersey, but my parents moved away early on, so my idols, comedically, whether it was Woody Allen or Richard Mm. Lewis or Buddy Hackett, there was a New York sensibility – that I only had genetically from Jersey, so I had to sort of aspire to it.
1: It's so funny because it's so in you. No, like, I, know. I think I you mean, probably I'm, felt I'm, like, I gotta reach for that, but like, you are already it. It's,
0: yeah, I, I mean, it's in me because like, Jersey's Jersey, but it's still like, but they were just my heroes, always the old Jews, right? right? And I did, Same. in college, I did Don't Drink the Water, and I played, you know, the old Jewish mm-hmm. guy, the father. Uh-huh, and it was like you know i i of course I could play that. I don't know where it came from, but it's in me. I don't know how it's in it's me, but it so, is
1: it's so good, it really is it's in all of us it's really is it? you just oh, turn I it so. on well, but I you, have a weird thing of like when i like I met this um my friend's friend the other night, and i I couldn't it was like such an instant it was not a obvious clearly not a romantic connection, but yeah. it was just such an instant fusing of like brains and like sternums even it was just like oh, i get this person it was just like i mean it's just cultural like yeah, but it's he's, not, a, it's, he's a he's he like a studio city jew like he's
0: it's an ashkenazi trip though mm-hmm. like you know you get into the sephardic or into more like there's some jews i don't like i'm like you're a jew how is that mm-hmm. possible explain to me i see ortho oh, like uh, Hasidim, and i'm oh, like yeah. you don't look like a jew no. if, if you take off the hat and the hair i don't know what's going on it's
1: a hundred percent it's a mystery it is such a mystery, but the, those of that. us that are like these cultural ones, just culturally, uh, it's like Ashkenaz, I find like, Russian, yeah.
0: Polish. I was going to say Eastern German. European. Yep. Yeah, Eastern European Jews. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then the uh, the same Madonna alums.
1: You got to have the same. Madonna but but Lums. I,
0: I've met reformed Jews, and I'm like, no, no, no I don't know mm. what's happening there? So there was a guitar at the synagogue, and I don't. <laughs>
1: wow. know- Wow, <laughs> you're telling me the Rebbe was a woman? Yeah, that no, make sense. come on, <laughs> get out of here.
0: But it's true, right? It is. It's weird. That's so good. all right, so how does uh so you're playing songs with your dad, and he's collecting stamps on weekends. Your oh. brother's doing sports. Your mother and you and her, your mother have some sort of shtick. You do. So when does uh when do you, when do you decide that you need all this attention that show business?
1: Birth. <laughs> I.
0: What about your grandparents? Are they around? No. Were my,
1: they? Yes. My, it's funny that you brought that up. So I want to answer the question about when I wanted to go into well, show business, we'll but there's there. two. Yeah. Um, the, um, my grandparents, no, they're not around. My, my dad's dad died when. No,
0: but when you were a kid, were they there? Cause mm-mm. they were, that was, my grandparents my, were my, well, they were my real sort of connection oh, to everything. Oh, no. To everything. To comedy, to everything. Oh. My, my mother's parents, When I grew up, I'd stay there a lot. Go Mm. and my grandma Goldie. That was it. She was Jack and Goldie. Goldie The
1: best name that Jack and Goldie is the two best names I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah.
0: Jacob and Goldie. Oh,
1: forget it. I have to name my kids Jack and Goldie now. Don't be Mm. weirded out. No, I won't. All right. All right. So go ahead. So you're so my. Also, they're frozen in a some somewhere in Encino, my kids. So now I, I've always called them Darby and Michael, my eggs. But now I'm going to call them Jack and Goldie. You
0: sold your eggs?
1: No, they're frozen for me. Oh, okay. Yeah, but now they they were always Darby and Michael because those were the first names I thought of yeah. when I froze them. I said, "Be gentle with Darby and Michael" when yeah. they took them away. You just, but why- now they're going to be Jack and Goldie. It's too cute. What
0: would? Why does one freeze their eggs? Explain it to me.
1: I froze my eggs because I was in a relationship when I was like thirty two and I realized that I had done the exact same thing four times in a row, which was date a really awesome charismatic comedian with a Peter Pan complex who was never gonna make me a wife and give me children. Right. And as this relationship was ending, I was like, I need to fix I need to work on myself, but I also definitely want kids and I want a career. Mm. And I have not a lot of examples of women who can do both? Yeah. I, I think it's really challenging. Yeah. Um. And so I just decided at at the at, right before that relationship ended that I was going to freeze my eggs, and I just went and did it.
0: So then they become plantable.
1: Yeah, you can plant those in the ground. You can have a baby tree. It would be pretty. Okay, but yeah. that's
0: the idea. You mm-hmm. find a, a, a. Well,
1: yeah. Then once you get ultimately. I still am, um, of an age where I can have children naturally. Yeah. But I want to continue my career. I want to write and produce and right. do all my things and, um, be in front of the camera and it's fucking. Challenging. I heard Betty on here talking, too, like, about women, you know, having an expiration date, and I think th- since I was never an ingenue, it's less of a less yeah. of a deal-breaker for me. Like, I'll just grow up and be a craggy character actress. Yeah, but so if you get into fun. production,
0: it's like anything, like, you know, it's really just relative to, you, you know, a very specific uh, kind of, like, being in front of the camera yes. trip in a I, certain way.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. But even, like, with you know like, yeah
0: I don't want to trivialize it. it's hard for women on all levels, but you know what I mean? Well, but I, that part. But
1: I also want to be able to even if it's not about what I look like, yeah. I want to be able to take the time to raise the kid. Do you? And yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And I don't wanna after he or she is born, four weeks later, just be back either producing, direct whatever the thing is. I wanna be able to take that time. And right now I can't realistically Take I get it. Nine months to be pregnant and then another year to be with this child to make sure they feel nurtured and yeah. that I didn't just pop them out and hand them out to a nanny. Right. And I don't have those two years right now while I'm on this like sort of run of my career at whatever level this is, you know? Sure. I've been, I wanted to be successful as an actor or as a person in this business. Yeah. I started when I was nine. Right. And I got glow when I was 35. That's
0: <laughs> so a it's a long
1: fucking haul. And now I'm like in these baby making, prime baby making years, yeah. actually the end of the baby making years and, and in this like, oh, cool, making a show on here and there and working on all no these. time for
0: babies. No man either in the life.
1: Um, I do. I have a boyfriend.
0: Huh.
1: I have a boyfriend. It, we start. We've been dating for like six months.
0: But this is not one of the four. Comedian, no, Peter that... Pan complex. What is that? That means stay young forever? What's Peter
1: yeah, Pan? Yeah, I think it's this like, and the dudes that I, and I'll, you know, we'll, we can talk more specifically. I,
0: I'm literally, I was I, I was too neurotic and selfish to to think about children, and it wasn't, I I never thought I was going to stay young. Well, I don't what's think crazy I is Peter it's not Pan too late for you. And that's what people say, but it kind of is. Would you but it, want that it in would, my life? But
1: it, well, that's a choice, what but, but for that? me- I am
0: mean, hear... I'm, I'm watching my cats- is slowly decline I can't even handle it. You think I can't handle the heartbreak of just a kid coming home from school, not, you know- Needing you anymore. Yeah, No, but just something that doesn't work out. Like, it's like, uh, my boundaries are so shitty emotionally that I just can't, I couldn't, I don't, I find that I couldn't handle, like, I think that was another, that was a problem with my mother too, is that my pain, even the most mundane, where she could have just said, this happens- it was sort of like, oh, that's terrible! Like immediately commiserating. Oh, I like,
1: thought they were going to say the opposite, which was like, "You'll be fine."
0: No, no, no. Oh, like like so diving
1: like, in into the pain with you, right? Oh, wow, that's fascinating.
0: And I think I have that. Like, it's just like you know, how do you? She didn't have any way of making me feel better other than ex- trying to experience the sadness and then just resigning to that. Oh, so it, just so it becomes really her <laughs> sure. thing, whatever. So that's. That, I don't know why I started talking about that. That's why I don't have kids, and I don't regret it, and I don't really think about it that much. I just really am too uh, neurotically full wired, of p- panic It just worry. Mm-hmm. I know I, it doesn't seem like I am. But oh, I,
1: yeah, no, it's, it, it totally it's doesn't. You're really, you're really fooling everyone. I had no idea you <laughs> felt that way. Um, I,
0: I usually just make it anger. I don't, uh-huh. That's the public face of my, my panic and We dread. have the
1: anger in common, too, friend. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't love that about myself, well, that's let's, for sure. Let's okay, go back, back real
0: quick. We were at your grandfather, so your father's father was not around. Like you know, he
1: died, he had a heart attack when my dad was like nineteen.
0: Oh And so there. you didn't know any of your grandparents? I didn't
1: know. I knew my mom's parents are Holocaust survivors. Were they no longer. But they survived the Holocaust. They moved after in the early forties to Paris. Yeah. And then, wow. Uh, it's fucking crazy. And then, um, they not had,
0: camp survivors. They got out.
1: Not camp survivors. My grandma's, the rest of my grandma's family was in various camps. And my grandma and my grandpa were miraculously like just one step ahead. And there's just, you know, all these miracles. They
0: knew when to get out.
1: I, they, 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 oh, they fought. they didn't know, but I guess, you know, they knew that, um, the occupation was coming and they, other people knew too, but you know, it's hard to to think that that's going to be real. You go like, what are, like, what are they li- going to come? We're living and in it. I, I didn't want to say that. We're living in it, and which so, is
0: sort of like you know, how bad is this going to get, really? You know, and like, how you know. people
1: don't think it's real, and they're just like they think that it's fake photos at the border, and it's not real, and those people aren't real. Like what? That's staged. No, that's I don't, staged I don't. by the left. I don't.
0: Of oh, those people, yeah, but I mean, I, I think people know there's it's people real. But there's so family. so people, so everything moves so quickly now. There's not people don't latch on to it for a long enough period of time. That's exactly right. But like oh, random, another
1: mass shooting, and then well, the right. next when, day once, it's like
0: when, when random acts of violence become defined by a certain ideology. You know, it's not so random anymore. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you know it's a uh, you know, but the, it's coming from an ideological place that is. Shared by many people. So when does that become a bigger problem that
1: we all have fear? But then but because it's so common, the bigger problem is also this like weird gray wash over the whole scene and you don't even see it because it's so prevalent. You're just doing your everyday life and that bigger fucking cloud is just there again.
0: Well now it's an actual cloud it's actual fire it's actual like you know uh, weather that's you know beyond anything we can handle and you, you know we're starting to see that stuff so it's sort of a race between ideology and the actual end of the environment And the actual world yeah, yeah, That's right. right. Yeah. And it's a
1: blaze. Yeah. So my mom's so parents So you knew them. I knew them. But um my grandpa only till I was like 10 mm. and he didn't hardly spoke any English and chain smoked cigarettes and he just ah, sort of was great. around yeah. and but they were in Florida and we were in New York. All right. And then my grandma, my mom's mom, I was closer with, but also they were so far away.
0: Right. Yeah, I think my mine were too, but I think it's nice to have that connection with your grandparents if it's there. Absolutely, you know, but, but they didn't. A,
1: but they didn't really tell us, you know, stories. Obviously, right. I was a kid, and they're not going to be like, listen to these atrocities. But you
0: knew you they had these grandparents, mm-hmm. and they had been, you know, just to look at them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's enough.
1: I agree, and they were around, and I had great conversations with my grandma. And in yeah. high school, I. Filmed her and asked her questions uh, about World War II, and oh, really? which was crazy because then when we got to shoot that campfire scene in glow, in glow, yeah, it was nuts. I they Liz and Carly had some, you know, aunt, whatever they yeah. had Sarah, and I asked if I could change it to the name of my mom's aunt Pessel, who was my grandma's only sister that stayed in Poland uh-huh. with her parents, uh-huh. and they all got. I will say exterminated because that's what happened. And I always choke on that word. Like, do I need to be dramatic? And it's like, it is fucking dramatic. That's what happened. Right. And so they let me change the name of that story I was telling to Pestle and I memorialized my great aunt. It was. That's great. Just who. That was nuts, a nuts thing. Who gets to do that? It's beautiful. Glow is cool.
0: Definitely cool. (laughs) All right. So, all right. So, nine. When does the show business start?
1: Well, when I was about. Ten yeah. years old. I also because lo- I know
0: you're like you're almost a, almost a child actress.
1: Yes. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I was I was like did a couple episodes of the nanny when I was how does 12. that happen? I was my mom had a friend who I think she took Lamas with when she was pregnant with my brother, and this woman was an agent and she worked in out of her back house in Baldwin, Long Island. Her name was Aggie Gold of Fresh Faces Agency. Yeah, and she was a bull This woman would call anyone and everyone, and she would say things like, "She, my client is a star. You have to meet her. And if you don't like her, I promise you, I know you don't know her from a hole in the wall, and she's never worked. But if yeah. you meet her and you don't like her, you're never going to hear from me again." Yeah, and then question. I would tell—I told my shrink that, and she goes, "Oh my God, the pre- the pre- she felt so." awfully for me yeah she's like the little child in you knowing those stories your whole life you've been telling this as this positive story all right but the amount of pressure that was on your shoulders to deliver that day when your agent was like you'll never hear from me again if you don't think this person who i'm telling you is a star but did you know she
0: was saying that when you were a kid
1: I think so. Oh. Yeah. Mm. I think so. But I, I again, but I think. Fun, I don't know. Kids I, can absorb that that's, shit. That's how I felt. And you I, know, like and instead, instead I delivered. Yeah. Instead I was like, do I have a joke for you? Yeah. So I wrote, I was writing stand up when I was a teenager.
0: <laughs> Is that true?
1: <laughs> yes. I don't know how funny it was, but yeah. But you
0: didn't do stand up no, as a um, teenager.
1: I did a little. Like I would go into Nickelodeon and do like five minutes of like impressions and jokes about an easy bake oven and my boyfriend in elementary school and this but shit. But you like shtick. I was, it was shtick.
0: How did you, but how did you earn that shtick? That's my other, mom. But who, my were, mom her, who is were her so... people? How, I mean, who was she? I mean, it was it natural or? Yes. Because sh- you sort of have this timeless Jewish thing. That uh that I always recognize and I always feel and I think it's, you know, at the core of all of us, but it's like, you know, it's almost like uh Fannie Bryce or yeah, Tony Joan Rivers. Fields. Yeah, and then to Joan Rivers. Yeah, it was right
1: it's, oh, Fanny Bryce. But it's like my idols growing up were Gilda Radner, Joan Rivers, and Bette Midler. Right. Like when I saw them, I just saw myself yeah maybe i'm giving myself too much credit, but i just would go like no that's that, how you do it yeah that's what i want that's who i am yeah. i want to i want to sing and i want to tell jokes and i want to be dramatic and i want to host stuff and i want to do fashion police and i want to be bet midler's broadway show yeah I just these are the things but it's
0: interesting you never tr- you never thought to do stand-up as a younger person because there was a couple of people that like teenage stand-up phenomenons one of them i think turned out to be in her 20s and lying
1: Amazing. <laughs> i forget
0: her name It was kind of a controversy. I want to look it up. Like she was like a teenage uh, stand-up comedian.
1: She she wasn't that good. But I mean,
0: (laughs) the angle was that she was a kid. But then turns out she wasn't really a kid. There
1: was that story too. And she kept doing it. The woman that created Felicity. Yeah. She said she was like 22 and she was like 35 or something. I mean, I, I get if you're blatantly lying, that's not okay. But also this business is this like, you have to be young and you have to be this. And it's like... That's why people are lying and saying they're younger. I, I don't say I'm... I mean, I don't lie about my age, but I wouldn't say I'm younger because I give a fuck. I say I'm younger because you give a fuck. Yeah. Because, like, people hiring actors... Yeah. They don't... If you look 29 but you're 39, you want the people to think you're 29 because yeah. that weirds their brain out for some reason, even though we're actors and that's the point.
0: Yeah, I, I don't... Like, I played a guy recently that was supposed to be... I, I wasn't... It was based on him, so there's no way you're going to make me... 28. Right. But the real guy was, like, in his 20s, and, you know, they played, put, cast me, in, it'd be a guy in his 40s, and what, What? I don't give a fuck. Right. Put the wig on me, what are you gonna but do you
1: know? Who gives a fuck, yeah, make a right, little So you're, you're
0: nine, you're working with Fran Drescher? Well, like, oh, was so you-
1: 11 or 12, when that when That was my first job that I got, and I, I just wanted to act, and my mom knew this agent, like, on Long Island, yeah. I mean, I know it's close to New York, but it's not like right. we were going and meeting agents. It yeah. all just sort of happened in a really lucky way, and I I wasn't pushed into it by my mom. I begged and begged until finally when I was like 10 or 11. She was like, okay, we'll go. And so we met with Aggie.
0: The Long Island agent. The Long Island medium.
1: Yeah, the Long Island agent. Yeah. And um, it just happened. And I started going on auditions pretty Mm -hmm. immediately. And that was in like probably middle school or late elementary school. Uh Uh-huh. So my mom- Would
0: schlep you in on the train?
1: On the Long Island Railroad and schlep me around- and ultimately, it was, um, it was cool. You know, I, it was, it was a lot because I would have to miss school and make stuff up. And I wasn't being obviously homeschooled like a lot of kid actors were, but I wasn't working that much at that time. I was just going on a lot of auditions and getting commercials. But and were stuff.
0: they, they weren't at teaching at the school you were going to? Either of them? They weren't at the, no. Oh, okay.
1: My mom was actually teaching at a yeshiva, but then she had to, she didn't have to, but she chose to, stop when things started picking up with me yeah because i was coming to la for development deals and stuff and oh, doing for pilot season yeah and doing so know.
0: what happened so you got the, the the nanny was the first job yeah and then you, you you guys decided to move to la
1: not so i sent in a tape for the nanny and then i found out i got it came out to la shot it it was the coolest thing ever yeah and then finished out high school
0: did you meet fran
1: i did meet fran did you
0: do scenes with her
1: i did all my scenes are with her yeah, she was amazing. And actually, I played two different characters on The Nanny.
0: You guys must have really hit it off. They wanted, You're like a miniature dresser. <laughs> I
1: know. They wanted a mini Fran. Yeah. And I was—I mean, I don't know that that many twelve-year-olds were running around being like, <laughs> whatever this yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah. And so when I was twelve, I did one, and then when I was fifteen, I did another one and played a different character because uh-huh. they needed a mini Fran again, and they were like, yeah, fuck it, just hire With the, the accent, hire the girl that already yeah, did it."
0: Yeah. So, okay, so you do that, you come back, and you're like, I want to go to L.A., My
1: Kind of, but I didn't even really know that I but wanted go to go you go out to there LA. once a year
0: for the pilot w- stuff, and did you do more?
1: It wasn't even once a year. It was like when things would come up. If there oh, was an opportunity, I'd go to L.A. Out. If right. I got a commercial. And like, your
0: mother would go with you?
1: My mom would go with me. Hmm. My mom would go with me. So then, when it really happened, so most of the stuff was in New York. Like, I did an episode of The Sopranos, and I was just Which doing one? like random. Uh, season one, where the soccer coach is fucking with the girls. Oh, it was like the one episode Tony didn't kill the person.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I, I just played, watched them all.
1: I, I played Silvio Dante's daughter, Heather Dante. Oh, okay. Steve, but what's crazy is I did one episode. Yeah. And then um,
0: Silvio was Will Steven? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then uh, David Chase, the creator of the show, his daughter dropped out of college. Yeah. And then my character disappeared, and my name was Heather. And then this new Meadow had a new best friend named Hunter. It was like a sort of a seamless, like, mm, there were two Darrens. Like, it just was this <laughs> random yeah. yeah, thing that yeah. was a bewitched moment. So and Chase's then I kid just, did it? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh
0: wow. Well. Damn it. Yeah. yeah,
1: I know. But that was that. But that was, again, like, I had so many of these. Like, I was supposed to be this recurring character that was just going to be on The Sopranos. Yeah. And be Little Steven's daughter. Didn't and happen. And then it just, I mean, it happened once and yeah. then it didn't happen again.
0: You're a Bruce Springsteen fan?
1: I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I, I like what I know of Bruce Springsteen. I like, but I'm not like a following crazy. Well, who are you? Who, wh- were you
0: like who are you people?
1: Growing up, I loved, um, I loved James Taylor and Paul Simon and Joni Mitchell. I was into like that singer songwriter. Paul, Paul Simon. Simon. I yeah. just, flo- I would lose my mind with how Paul you, Simon. I got, I'm
0: trying to, I have to teach myself how to finger pick properly. <sighs> I've been fighting that forever.
1: You got to do it. I mean, I'm not a great finger picker. I have like my two or three patterns I do. Right. And I do them. Right. And I sound and I can trick you. But if you put, if you go like, play this song in this pattern, it's not like I just can.
0: Right. Right. I, yeah. I got it. James yeah.
1: Taylor, though, is ridiculous
0: great. guitar player. Yes. Yeah. When did you? Oh,
1: Billy Joel.
0: Oh, you're a Billy Joel person. Duh. Okay. So I'm that's it. I'm in a Billy no, Joel person. No, that's it. See, that's you know, uh, Jersey, Springsteen, mm-hmm. Long Island, Billy, Billy Joel. Joel. Okay, that's it. That's it. Okay. You're going back and forth to L.A. Then when when does the commitment come? When does the music start happening? Because, like, you're not – when does the comedy start happening? You're doing bit pieces as a teenager on these shows as the Long Island girl or whatever. But then you kind of come into this musical comedy trip. True.
1: well, I, so I, I was doing all this acting stuff, and then when I graduated from high school, I went to the University of Delaware for one semester. Yeah. But Delaware is set up in a weird way where, like, the school you mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. the, the, the um, how they do semesters. Yeah. So mid September, m- mid December, like December 10th or something, yeah. they go on break till like February 10th. Yeah. So there's a mini-mester in there, and me and my mom and my agent Aggie Gold came out to LA. I met this showrunner, TV creator, Danny Jacobson, who created Mad About You and used to showrun Roseanne Macher, big guy, and he was like, let's make a show. And I dropped out of college, and I said, let's make a show, Danny Jacobson, 20th to sign me to a development deal. This is in 1998. How old were you? 18.
0: 18, so you got a development deal. We got a development deal. Quarter of a million?
1: Uh, No, 120, 125. Nice. All yeah. right. And I love you. And uh, so that was, I was a teenager. I'd never obviously seen this kind of money. Who yeah. had? Uh. And I got this deal and I dropped out of college and I was like, let's go. And then the sh- we never even made a pilot. <laughs> like there was a script that maybe got, e- that maybe got messengered it? Danny. Yeah. There was a script that maybe got messengered back to my hotel once or twice. And then I was like, I'm not in college. I'm not making this show then I went to the TV Guide Awards with my friend Ben who was on the nanny yeah and I met Jessica Beale yeah and we she's became so she's so fucking pretty right we became the we became instantly friends it was like we had known each other forever were you the we, same ages she's a year younger than me yeah and I was eighteen she was seventeen and it was like we we were the friend we'd always looked for yeah and I was going to go back to Delaware. This was still all on that break. The development deal, Jess Beal, the whole thing.
0: It crapped out all on that break or you, that you waited for that? Like It didn't, didn't crap out on that break. Right, right, right.
1: That, it was enough for me to be like, well, I'm not going to go back to school. I got this deal. I got all this stuff going yeah. on. And Jess, I was like, well, I don't have anywhere to live. I don't have a car. She's like, well, come live with me. Hmm. So I moved in with her and her family in Calabasas while she was on <laughs> 7th Heaven. Yeah. And I was like, okay, goodbye, Delaware. Hello, development deal and celebrity life. Yeah. And then Nothing happened for however many years. So, so then, Okay,
0: so that development deal, it made it to script, but didn't, didn't shoot nothing, right. and, and, and and that was over but after a year. But then they
1: re-upped it for, they re- I think, Jacobson another- yeah
0: gave you another year on the same deal uh-huh. or wrote another thing? Same
1: deal. He's like, we're going to make this show. Yeah. And then we never made the show. So the so first two 20. years I lived in LA, living, I had, I had like, money, and I'm house? living at Beale's house, and I just was like, but I couldn't- Are you guys go- still friends? Yes, I yeah. mean we're not as close as we sure, were years sure. ago, but um, she's
0: got a whole life and kids and everything. She does. Yeah.
1: Um, and so,
0: oh, so this is like this is one of those stories where you immediately feel the rush and the weird sort of leveling off of like, oh, this is how show business work. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't just happen. You get. You know. This is it.
1: What's crazy is that this was my third deal. From this Danny Jacobson deal was my third deal. Oh, so
0: where were the other ones?
1: My, I was 15 and I got one at at Warner Brothers with Nell Scovel, who yeah. created- I mean, I know she's, So I've
0: interviewed her. Yeah. she's
1: So Nell, I did my shtick, my 15-year-old stand-up shtick. Yeah. They said there was a breakdown that came out that said, we're looking for funny teenage girls. Yeah. I came in. I did my shtick. Yeah. She signed me to do a, to a development deal at Warner Brothers. I came out. I shot this pilot- with Alan Thicke and all these rad people. I was 15 years old. We shot the pilot, and it was called Prudy and Judy, and it was me. Oh, so that's
0: really when that all happened. So So that was
1: like, I'm a, you know, whoa, and a live studio audience, and I'm the star of this show, and I'm in the auditions. I'm 15 years old in the auditions with the other girls. They're reading against me to see if their chemistry works with me. I mean, So you're
0: almost a child star. Yes. You're very close to being a child
1: star. And then a couple years later, I got the same deal in Nickelodeon. When oh. I was like seven sixteen. So yeah. that was I think fourteen fifteen. Then at sixteen seventeen I got this Nickelodeon deal. Same thing. They were doing a spin off of the kids' sketch show and now this all that. Yeah. All that. So then I had a show called And Now This, All That And Now This. Got it was it. gonna be the second half right. hour. Rosie O'Donnell was hosting, we had this whole thing going. We made the pilot, they aired it, canned it. They were like, We don't need two. So you've kids already sketch taken shows.
0: two hits. Like you know, oh
1: yeah. I mean, my very first gig was a Rice Krispies commercial that I was so so excited to book my first big national commercial when I was twelve. And then I see it on TV. I come running home from school because I hear it's on the air, and I come running. I'm not in the fucking thing. Uh I shot it. I'm in a leather jacket, dice claying out, eating Rice Krispies, and I'm just not in the commercial. Uh So this this had been going on for you know ten years. So by the time
0: the Jacobson deals went (laughs) south, but that the difference was is that. You still had a life <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: at home, you know, and parents, yeah. and like school and stuff. Yeah. But now you've moved out here on the deal, right. and you're 20, That's and right. it happened again. That's right. Three strikes, you're out. That's right. And then oh,
1: we're... you don't even want to hear the fourth strike. What? The fourth strike makes me still cry. What happened? I book a series when I'm 23 called so are Regular you still Joe. Still living with Beale? No, no. no. Beale, um, I I got my own apartment at this okay, point. Yeah. And, just,
0: was that awkward? Can you leave? I mean, yeah,
1: no. I asked her if she could head out. I said, I'm going to stay with your parents in Calabasas, but can you sort of take it on the arches, honey? <laughs> yeah, Cute ass, by the way. And yeah. then I smacked uh-huh. it. So when I'm 23, I go, it's so weird, this still makes me emotional, but I'm 23 and there's a pilot called Regular Joe written by David Litt who created King of Queens. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this is, he loves Leia Remini. He's going to love me. Let's right. go. I'm in, a, I'm in a little box. I get it. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. And so I go and I meet on uh, this thing. I book. So they tell me they're recasting the entire pilot. They're firing the girl that played the daughter and they're looking for someone else and it's being picked up to series, but they're replacing the daughter. And yeah. I book the series. This uh, is yeah. a mid-season replacement. Hmm. This is not a pilot now. This is my chance to be on TV on ABC at 830. This is, by the way, the height of fucking TV. Right. People can't imagine that 830 on ABC really means anything anymore. But at this time, this was like all there was was network television. Yeah. HBO was like, whatever. And so I book this series and it's the biggest thing that's ever happened to me. We're about to shoot the pilot. My parents come out. They fly in from New York. And they asked me to come meet with the producers at the at CBS Radford. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Forget my parents in the car. I'm going to show them my dressing room. Yeah. I've taped everything up. I got a rug. I got candles. I got the whole thing. I pull up to my dressing room to drop my parents off before I drive over to the production office. On my life mark, a man is paint rolling my name off my parking space. Nah. 100% true. And I'm getting choked up. And then I go and I'm like, what? Maybe they've just moved my dressing room. I don't put two and two together. I go to production. And the reason they've called me there is to fire me. (laughs) (laughs) So my parents watched my parents, my mother, who gave up her life so I could be an actress, Uh is watching a man paint roll my name off my parking space. Oh, boy. I wouldn't, it's such a fake, it's the fakest story I've ever heard. Right. Except that it happened to me.
0: Why? What was the reason?
1: They were re the studio and the network were 50 50 split on wanting to fire the girl in the first place and they brought her back. Fuck. Th- yep.
0: So then what'd you do?
1: I was so depressed for so long. I was, I was dating, um, a musician at the time and I poured my life into his life. Uh huh. Do you know that Jason Mraz guy? Uh huh. Mm. He's a musician guy. I was dating him and my life became his life. When well, I got fired.
0: But when when do you start to take things into your own hands?
1: Not till my 30s.
0: Really? Isn't that fucking so you're, crazy? So you're 23 when that happened? Yeah,
1: 23, 24.
0: And what the next- And I
1: had just been fired and, and or had these huge highs that then became these monstrous lows. But you're not
0: performing on your own yet?
1: Well, I did stand up. As a teenager, like I, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't pounding the pavement every night, like you know you were. Right. But I, I, because my, my, my mom would have to take me. I was a child. Like I wasn't pounding the pavement as a stand-up. How old were you? I was young when I. The few times I did Carolines and the few times I did the Cellar.
0: What are we, like on mics?
1: Not even mics. It was like either shows where my agent would set it up, or people knew that this Uh-oh. younger person was coming. Right. So why did
0: that, when I brought up teenage comedy, you said you didn't do it?
1: Because I wasn't, I don't like to say that I was this person that was like-
0: Trying to be a comic, right. I
1: I was a little bit, but it was a means, at that time, it was a means to an end of like, I loved jokes, I loved shtick, and I was more doing comedy in rooms to get development deals, like in meetings. I wasn't like uh, out- You weren't performing. Yeah, I wasn't out every night, but I was occasionally. And like when I got up there, I had bits and I had shtick and I did it. No
0: guitar, just straight. No guitar, just stand up.
1: Yeah. Um. I didn't learn to play guitar till I was 20. You know that actor Brad Renfro? He's yeah. no longer. He overdosed on heroin. Yeah. He taught me to play guitar. How'd you know him? We did a movie called Deuces Wild, and it was a Scorsese produced, and everybody said it was a Scorsese movie, but it wasn't. And uh, I was singing, and he was playing guitar, and he was like, you should play guitar. And it just, I mean, not that it hadn't occurred to me. I just was like, uh... Okay, and he handed me a guitar and taught me a bunch of blues chords.
0: There you go. That's all you need, three chords.
1: At that time, that was all I needed.
0: Okay, so all this is now in place, and you've failed many times, (laughs) and you're just like being a codependent musician girlfriend.
1: I mean, I just can think of a time where he was on his music video and needed a bite of a sandwich and just came over to me and neither of us spoke and I just unwrapped the sandwich and put it in his mouth with my hand and then he took a bite and turned around and walked away and went back to the set. That was what I'd become.
0: 25. Wow. So you're, 24. So your confidence is all shattered. <laughs> your sense of self is all yeah. garbage.
1: But I didn't... I wasn't cognizant of that because he, in his mind, like, I was still funny and fun and route. Right. Ra- like, I wasn't w- walking around like, oh kicking a can, but I wasn't asserting myself and I wasn't trying to do comedy and I was still an actress. I was still going on auditions and trying to uh, do things, yeah. Right. but I wasn't making stuff. I wasn't writing. I wasn't... Yeah. I mean, that sort of came... I got really back into stand up when, like, in my early thirties, I was like.
0: So, for five years, you're just going out, doing, doing, waiting for the phone to
1: ring and being bitter that, and not being happy for my friends, like, that were working and like, like, you got all these
0: shots and they didn't go. And And just
1: being like, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, my friend being on something and then everyone celebrating them and then me, you know, quote, having plans that night and not going in. And I, a friend of mine actually called me out. In probably one of the most dramatic turns my life has ever taken, one of my best friends called me out. Like in my, probably this was what changed my, like my life ultimately was yeah. she, I was being, I was trying to be a musician at like when I was 28 or something yeah. and I would made this record and it cost me so much fucking money and I had no, like I had Under some your money. Name? Yep. And I put this album the out. comedy and- record? Nope. Just music. Cause I was, I also have this other career as a songwriter. Like I was on, signed to BMG and I was a published songwriter and I wrote for like. When was this? Catherine McPhee and Christina Aguilera and stuff. Uh, the late. How old are 2000, you? 2000. At the time, like 30.
0: Oh, so this sort of happened after the musician boyfriend stuff. Oh, right. yeah. Yeah.
1: So then I was like, I did American Idol when I was something, 27. So then I was like being a songwriter and being a musician and so taking a break the, from that acting. that was the a little
0: change, bit. right? So, like, so after the acting thing and the musician boyfriend, you started to write songs and perform songs yep. in your late 20s. And then yep. you were on American Idol and you were writing songs. You thought like songwriting seemed like a good racket to get into?
1: It was the worst racket to get into.
0: What if you deliver one though? If you wrote a song, you're for not Cri- kidding. Christine but I Aguilera. wasn't.
1: So what ended up happening was that I was like realizing that I was spending all of my time and energy trying yeah. to write writing these songs for in your- hopes that somebody would like one. And it just didn't it was so not fulfilling. How'd your friend call you out? Oh, well, she made a, a record of sad piano songs in her closet. And right. it cost her zero dollars. And every <laughs> single one of the songs. Yeah. Got on Grey's Anatomy, got in movies, got everywhere. And I remember we were all at a party once and everyone was hugging her and congratulating her in some huge movie. Her delicious, beautiful little piano song yeah. was in this monster fucking movie. Yeah. And everyone was freaking out. And I think she'd invited me to come see it and I didn't respond. Something yeah. gnarly. Right. And then she said, um, you know, and I was like, she's, and everyone was talking about seeing it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen it yet. You know, then she just sent me an email like a couple days later and was like, hey, man. uh. I don't know how to say this without sounding crazy, but I don't know what to even, how to proceed here with this friendship because I can feel how not happy you are for me. Yeah. And it's repugnant. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I'm having trouble being around you when I know that what you feel toward me, when all I feel toward you is love. Like when you were on American Idol, I changed, I like did a grassroots campaign for us all to change our names on Facebook to your name, just so your name would be everywhere, All I've ever done is support, oh, I cry again. All I've ever done is support you and love you. And you casually can't watch the fucking episode of Grey's Anatomy where I have one thing going on. And I was so disgusted with myself. And I didn't even, I, I wasn't cognizant of that I was even doing it. Yeah. And, uh, and my heart's pounding. And I just was like, Oh God, what happened to me? And I like said, I'm coming to your house right now, please. Open the door and she opened the door and it was like a a hug fest and cry fest. And she was like, I can't believe that you were this responsive to this. I thought you were just going to say, that's not true. Fuck you. I am happy for you. You just can't tell. But you're showing up right now. And that's what I kind of wanted you to do. And we fixed it. But I was like a rotting, shitty Version. I've been trying to do the fucking thing for 20 years. Yeah. I couldn't get any traction. Yeah, I know that. And feeling. I, I know you do. <laughs> and I couldn't, and I just couldn't fucking enjoy other people's success.
0: Yeah, because you so hated yourself. I
1: fucking hated myself.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was so disappointed in myself.
0: You can't get out of it though when you're in it. And you try to be polite, you know, and it's like, I don't know. Well, it was good that you were able to.
1: Well, it's, I was baby shaking out of it. It was like unless. Oh, someone, I know,
0: but that friendship meant enough to you to do mm-hmm. that. You know, like if you didn't have that, like if you didn't have people that loved you or that people that you know tr- you trusted and loved, I mean, you could have stayed there.
1: I would have. St- I mean, I don't know how else I would have gotten out because I couldn't see myself. Yeah. Because what's tricky about being a comic or being us is that we're in when we're in this fucking craggy state. Yeah. It's funny, and Kinda. people still. I know, but I mean that like people still like you and it's not like i was walking around and everyone was like well she turned into a real cunt right it was just when i would like fucking stab someone really slightly or just act out in a way that like was really showing my true cards as opposed to being right a loving human with an open heart which is what i want to be instead of like an angry craggy you know, yeah. there's not enough space for everyone.
0: Bitter, and, yeah, yeah, and you, bitter, and you, and bitter you, is the word, right? And then you res you you resign yourself to it, and you think there's a truth to it, and you know, you. I guess you can make that funny. I mean, there's an intensity to it, but it's not. Yeah.
1: I don't even mean to make it funny. I just mean like inherently, you're funny. I'm right. funny, so it's like when you're doing the thing, that's I'm like not
0: that funny when I'm bitter. Like maybe you, you, not when you're but bitter, it's, but I it's just mean like people craggy. like. But but that's what you're saying when you start. Kind of poking people like that, you you know how to do it instinctively. So like, there is that moment where it's funny, but it's sort of like that was a little much. Mm -hmm. Like I was always good at the little much.
1: Me, thank you. You hurt people, and it sucked. And but I don't, I didn't have that many. I can't think of any other real times in my life where something. I think I'm using the wrong term, but. Changed on a dime. Like I was literally a yeah. uh, craggy, angry, not happy for people. And the next day, yeah. I had rainbow shooting at my asshole. I was like, after
0: she called you out, it was
1: like a new. It was like it was like a but film wait, what, got lifted off my eyes. But
0: what was the American Idol experience that you just didn't you lost? It was
1: another. Uh, it was another epic high and epic epic low, where uh, they the uh, hundred and eighteen thousand people tried out that year. Yeah, and I made the top thirty six. Yeah. But instead of doing a top 24 and then one person going home each week, excuse me, they did a top 36 and then they sent 24 people home at once and went directly to a top 12. So I was in that massive chunk of people that went home. It was all, but I had given, at that point, I auditioned for it in August and I didn't go home until March. And I was like sequestered, and I was like in another planet for eight months. And then they owned me from the March, from the date of my live show, for 12 months. So I was owned by American Idol for 18 months. What at the time felt like nothing, but I'll tell you something more weird little fun, magical shit has come from that than you can imagine, like I'm still on meetings, and like this some guy that runs some some enormous company was like i were you're here because your name came across my desk, and I loved you on Idol, and there we couldn't do anything with your mouth on on like it was a singing competition, and you were like roasting seacrest to his face, and he didn't notice me we had to edit everything out, and I knew at the time like this fucking kid. And then you got on Glow and that was fun. And now you're here and up for this other thing. But this guy was like a PA editor, low-level guy on American Idol. That's hilarious. Who remembered me all that. So it's like these weird little- Sure.
0: You've hung in there. So everything changed. You became a good person. That friend is still your friend?
1: Yeah, she's one of my best friends still. (laughs) Hmm. Let's shout her out. Her name's Faye Wolf. Yeah. And she's a beautiful musician.
0: So from that point on, what, that's when you start focusing on music more and doing
1: comedy? comedy actually. Yeah. I At that similar time, my friend, um, also great name, Jess Saddleberger, uh, we would always do bits and she was like, why don't you do stand-up? And I yeah. was like, I, speaking of telling yourself stories, I'd always dated stand-up comics.
0: I know you went out with Kyle.
1: Yes, yeah. Kyle Dunnigan. I'd always dated comics and I, I was like, I don't know, it feels really negative, It feels really like it's not. You're a
0: real born again love person. I was like,
1: well, it just didn't feel like a happy thing to do. Uh I wasn't even born again lovey. What I was doing was telling myself stories and giving myself what seemed like rational excuses to not do the thing I should so fucking clearly do Oh yeah, that I was scared of. Right. So instead of being like I'm scared and I have to start from the beginning, And the fuck and says I don't, that? No, right. So yeah. I was like, I don't know. It's negative. It's dark yeah. in there. I was at this club the other night, and I would use some comics name that I saw who was like so drunk, which is true, so drunk, passed out on the bar, yeah. and like people were fans of his, and he would just like lift his head and be like, and then somehow he'd get on stage and do a perfectly cogent set. And
0: you were like, like that's and, not for you. And
1: I was it? like, no, this is. But I, but again, that didn't have to be my experience. I was just writing this story to keep my heart safe so i didn't get hurt by trying to do stand-up and failing or whatever it was yeah and so she was like you really should do it and then i joined this writers group this like stand-up writers group where you get together with 10 comics yeah and you just go up in a mic at at a mic and like in this room and then people just pitch each other jokes yeah, yeah. And it became so positive and so community and so loving oh, and so nice. fucking cool. And that was when, and there I was doing stand up and then people in that group were like coming to see me do sort of straight music. Yeah. And they were like, how are you not doing musical comedy? And I was like, I don't know, cause I kind of roll my eyes at it.
0: Right. I kind of, I
1: know. I kind yeah. of was like, I don't really, when I see a comic with a guitar, I'm like, okay, let's see this hacky bullshit. But I think, but then you look at Jack Black and you don't feel that way, or you look sure. at when Adam Sandler does it, and there's ways to do it that are not.
0: If you don't do parody,
1: yeah, and I yeah. don't,
0: right? And I don't, and I, I mean, know you open for me,
1: so you That's know, fun. I'll do that anytime. I love eh. it, and um, that crowd was so delightful. They're nice, damn it. Um, and so then I started doing musical comedy, and then it was like, oh, this is not only is it this cool, unique thing that separates you from everybody else, but it's just so it's so just clicked. Yeah. And now that's pretty much my jam. I hardly do any straight stand up anymore. Sure. Just schlep that guitar around. So what happened was I um I, I because of Glow and then I'm making this um uh animated preschool musical series with Kristen Bell. It's called oh. Dora and Me. Oh yeah. And we're these um it's three singing birds who are best friends who go on this musical adventure every episode and we're doing a 52 episode first season. And so and I'm EPing it and I'm uh writing all the music for it and voicing it. And so I'm I I'm I'm not the thing that had to take a back seat currently while making this show was not going to the store or the improv and like, right. trying to do two shows a night. I yeah. just so that part of it it was the one thing I could go like okay that, that can take a back seat today sure. for now yeah because I can't it's just because it's also such it's such a nighttime game. I've oh, got yeah. shit to do well, I mean you know. that,
0: but that's exciting doing animated stuff and writing original music for it and hell characters hell yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing you're doing now, and glow, we're just sort of waiting on Glow. We're waiting on Glow. And you're on great glow. on Glow. We've had a good time.
1: You're great on Glow. You
0: don't annoy me as much.
1: Yeah, it's true. You don't annoy we me. We love each other. It's I okay. love you so much. Yeah. You don't annoy me as much either. I, you never actually annoyed How me. How
0: could I annoy you? You're the annoying one.
1: That's crazy. And that's, How is that crazy? It's true that I'm the annoying one. I, I don't deny that. But you're the craggy one. Okay. So you don't annoy me, but you're like, you know, I'll be avoidant. Uh Uh, You know, I think it's an interesting (laughs) thing with you because I don't know if you're going to like when I see you, if I'm going to get a hug, a head nod or be treated like the person with the fucking petition outside Whole Foods. Yeah. Like I can't I have, I never know what like what's Maren going to do? Hug me? I need give some me a consi- head nod? I know
0: okay, I need some consistency. Like it shouldn't be that that kind of uh you shouldn't have to feel that just because it's only based on my day.
1: Right, but I it's not like I don't I don't feel the good news about that yes, is that I don't no I do care because I love you, but right. I don't feel like fear or negativity around it. Doesn't have I just to do with go you. like yeah. I don't know what this is going to be. All right. I like to tell the story really quick before I go that when I season one
0: mm.
1: when i would see you in the morning i go hi mark and you go it's a lot <laughs> and all i did was say hi mark and i'd say to you you know in the time it took you to say it's a lot you could have just said good morning you fuck and then i wouldn't walk <laughs> that was like our first interaction ever
0: it's a boundary thing i love you i love you all right are we good are we done
1: <laughs> I, I, it's up to you it's your show and i'm so fucking happy to be here thank you for having I me i think by we the covered way. a lot of stuff we did And we're done.
0: That was Jackie Tone and me talking like we talk. Glow is on, streaming on Netflix three seasons. We'll be back again next year. And now I will play some droning guitar for you. I saw Hank. lived